So great to have you with us online if you're watching from your home today. And uh, as we said, this is going to be slightly different. Clearly, there's not one of us standing behind uh, a lectern today. Uh, we want to share with you something which the Lord has been speaking to us about over quite a number of years now. Debbie and I have led Trent Vineyard for the last 26 and a half years since there were 10 of us in those early days. And with our responsibilities, other responsibilities increasing, we've been sensing the need to begin to plan towards the transition of leadership of the church. And we've been prayerfully considering when the optimal time might be of handing on the, uh, the leadership of Trent and who our successor would be. Some of you will be aware, but many of you may not be, that we, uh, Debbie and I, have been doing two roles for the last seven and a half years. As well as being the senior pastors here, we've also overseen another 120-something churches in the Vineyard Movement as national directors of the Vineyard Churches in the UK and Ireland. And doing both roles has been demanding, uh, but it's also been sustainable because we have a really strong and healthy team here in the church. We also have a really strong and healthy team in the movement, and so we've been able to do that. But we have been sensing for some time that the national movement is needing more of our time and more of our attention. And also in recent years, we've become more and more involved internationally with the Vineyard family around the world. About six years ago, a number of prophetic words and our own sense from the Lord meant that we started to a discerning process on what the Lord might have for Trent beyond our time of leading it. And so the big news is that towards the end of this year, there will be a transition in the leadership of the church. We've been prayerfully thinking about who our successor would be for many years. We've talked to a number of people we know and trust in the church, around the nation, even in other countries. And there've been some prophetic words, some of which you'll get to hear today. And everything has pointed to one person who has the DNA, the gifting, and the calling to do this, and who fills, fulfills the characteristics of a leader outlined by Paul in his letter to Timothy. And so the announcement today is we'll be handing on the leadership of Trent on the 1st of October to John Bodley. As John steps into the senior pastor role, Susie Aldridge will become senior associate pastor. And they'll be working together closely as they have done now for many years. So this is something we've been discussing and planning for with these guys for a little over four years. And I doubt it'll come as a huge surprise to many of you, as you may have noticed over recent years, John has become more visible. His preaching number of times a year has increased, while mine, for instance, has been slowly reducing. And that's what you've seen in public. But behind the scenes, while Debbie and I have led the senior leadership team, John really has led most of the rest of the other meetings, the pastors, the key staff uh, for a number of years with very, very little involvement from us. So alongside a thorough discernment process internally involving the trustees and others within the church here, the movement also has a discerning process which John and Abby have been through together. And of course, Susie's been on, on her own journey discerning what the Lord is calling her to in all of this. 
So we'd also really love to share with you some of the prophetic input that we've had because if you know us, you know that that has always been really important to us at any sort of significant changes or things the Lord is calling us to. And so we, as John said, many years ago, eight, nine, even 10 years ago, we began to sort of think, I wonder what it would look like. I wonder who it would be. What would we sh- should we do? But, um, but then we started to have more of a sense of who it might be. And uh, in 2017, uh, somebody in the life of this church uh, came to us with a word. And they basically, the word was about John Bodley. And it also said this, the Lord will build a new team, a new generation. John Bodley will be key to the transition. So that resonated with what we were sensing from the Lord and a great comfort to us because we really wanted it to be somebody who carried the DNA and the values, somebody who really understood Trent and and all of us here. And then uh, in September 2018, that same person um, saw us sitting on the front row and on that morning, John and Abby, Abby is John's wife, for those of you who may not know why she's sitting and you'll hear from her in a moment. Um, they were sitting next to us on the front row and, and this person came up and they said, I thought you were imminently going to announce uh, that John was going to take on the leadership of the church. And um, that's how they felt the, the prophetic. And very often when you feel something prophetically, you feel it right now. It's going to happen now and you don't know what the timing is. But we were um, kind of wanting to really kind of discern whether we were right, but that was a second word of confirmation. And so a little bit later on uh, that term, we, for, through a whole set of circumstances, we found ourselves in a conversation with John and Abby. And uh, we said to them, look, we think that you may well be, uh, John, the successor to us. And um, we want you to pray about it. And uh, it was an amazing conversation. Um, and we had a number, you know, we, we said, let's come back to this, think about it, come back to it. And um, obviously, it wasn't a total surprise to them, but it was the Lord hadn't, they weren't aware of the Lord speaking at this point uh, clearly to them. Um, but I remember we had a number of conversations and, and two of them were really significant because they said things that they didn't realise was very, very important to us. And one of them was um, when we came to plant Trent Vineyard, when there were just 10 of us coming up uh, from London, um, on our way up, I well, around that time, I said to my mum, and my mother has shared ministry with my father for you know, from when they were in, when she was in her 20s and they were on the mission field and then my father became bishop and then they came back to England, led a significant church together and then um, pioneered new wine. Um, and she, I said to her mum, what's your advice? And she said, love the church, Debbie, love the church. And what that means is that the church is not about you. It's not about your career development. It's not about your ego. It's not about, you know, what you want. It's what is best for the church all along the way. This is Christ's body. This is his bride. This is the one he sacrificed his life for, he suffered, his, he shed blood for. And that is how you're to care for the body of Christ. And that is how we have sought to love you and lead you over this time. And in a conversation with John and Abby, at one point they said, whatever happens, even if it turns out that it's not us, you, we love this church. We love this church. We'll be in this church. We'll stay, even if, even if I'm not on the staff, John said, I will be in this church because I love this church. And then another conversation, um, they said, you couldn't find a couple who love the church more. 
And um, that was really significant to us in terms of a confirmation that we knew then this is absolutely them. We also believed that God had a role for Susie, a significant role. And, um, and actually, it came to me this morning that I did find another word that said, but it was a long time ago, it said, Susie to step up. So that was kind of contributing. It's like, what does that mean? Because all our staff are stepping up. But in the context of this, that is actually a very significant word um, that was just about Susie. Uh, they keep coming, don't they? <laughs> My it's bag. That, it's My... good that I found out at the same time as everybody else. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. There'll be more. Um, anyway, so it was important to us that Susie would hear the Lord as well. So we began to speak to her about just praying about the Lord uh, speaking. But we also felt that we had a wonderful team here. Um, uh, that were of another generation. And so it felt like the fulfillment of that word was coming to pass, a strong team. And honestly, the team around John and Susie are just wonderful spiritual leaders. They're good people. And the rest of the staff are amazing as well. And of course, we have some people that have been with us for a long time and we we really, really value them uh, in their wisdom. So you've heard from us some of the prophetic stuff that was really important to us. Um, We would love to hear from... From you, John, there was one really interesting word about a key. Tell us about yeah, that Yeah, there was. And I think it's a really good example of like, you know, sometimes you might, somebody might share a prophetic word with you and it may or may not resonate, um, but it's so important to just, you know, put a date on it and put it somewhere safe because you never know how meaningful it could be later on. Because this word came back in 2017. And to be frank, at the time, it didn't necessarily resonate with me enormously. It was, it, it, I'll, read, I'll read some of it to you came from some, um, a prophetic team from a vineyard up in Scotland and uh, they didn't, there wasn't any sort of personal connection between them and us. Um, they just had a name to go on. And this word came in, it said, I saw a massive key, like one of those huge keys from a stately home's massive doors, but much bigger. It was unwieldy, far too heavy and far too large for one person to hold or use. I felt that there is a team that is going to help you open a door that's yet been closed. And then it continues a little bit further down. It says, there is provision behind the door, financial, human resource, time, strategies, and salvations. When this door opens, it will not close. And so um, I, I've got it, had it written down, but I, it didn't resonate with me, as I say. But for you, it really struck you at the time, didn't it, Suze? Yeah, it did. For me, that word was super significant. And even though it was about five years or so ago, now I remember that moment like it was yesterday, so vividly, even where I sat in the room. Because for me, John had always been the most kind of natural successor. And so when I heard the word, like I was literally like, that's the Lord, it must be the Lord. And um, so I cheekily, because that's kind of in keeping with my personality, went over to you and, um, and was like, I think we know what that's about. And um, John just kind of looked a little bit blankly back at me. Um, but it was a word that I held on to and I sort of stored it in my heart. And so when a couple of years later, this whole conversation about what John and Debbie were thinking about with the transition of the church, um, it really resonated and felt like a real sort of sense of confirmation for that. Yeah, it did. And so when, and when Susie sort of, she fished it back out and was like, look at this, look at this, remember? And we look back, I think we all shared this sense of, oh yeah, that is very relevant, isn't it? And this, especially this massive unwieldy key that's too big to carry, I definitely resonated with that. But then the thing that really blew me away was then in that context, we just rediscovered this word. Then somebody, a member of the congregation, um, sent me through a word who knew nothing about it, almost an identical word, basically. Um, so here's some, some of what they said. They said, there's a picture. The picture was of you holding a big gold key in front of two huge wooden doors and you seemed to be hesitating. The key was for the double doors and my sense was that behind the doors were blessings God was waiting to pour out as you put the key, faith, in the lock. 
And so that, it, 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 I mean, not only was it just so similar, so specific, it was so encouraging, but also it came at just the perfect time because we were very much feeling, I think at that point, like quite hesitant, quite daunted by the whole thing. And it was just what we needed to hear. And I think that's definitely been a bit of a theme looking back through this journey. Um, as we consider what God is calling us to in this present moment, we've been able to look back at the things that have happened, the conversations in the past, the, the, the prayers in our journals and things like that. And you see how God has been just, you know, preparing you for stuff without us being aware of it. And it's just, it's amazing how, how he does that, how he, he brings it all together. Um, and he's had to kind of bring us quite a long way because... I mean, like when I first came to Trent, um, it was about 2001, I think I was a student. I'd just come to faith, got invited by a mate um, to the county ground. Um, and to be honest, the first time I came, I just thought it was weird. Um, <laughs> like, all, especially all the people like putting their hands in the air to worship and everybody seemed to be going around being very tactile and hugging each other um, as they greeted one another. And that's something that I still haven't quite got used to, all that hugging. Um, but um, for me, I, I remember thinking it was a bit strange, really, and then continuing my journey of faith elsewhere. And it wasn't until a few years later that um, I met Abby and we started dating. And um, I remember like some of my friends at the church I was at at the time were a little bit concerned to hear I got this charismatic girlfriend. Um, and, um, but I remember we got more serious and it got to the point where we were saying, we need to be going to the same church. But I remember reflecting, but I just don't think I could ever settle at your weird church. Um, <laughs> but for you, this was home by then. Yeah, very much so. Um, so I have a bit of a mixed um, tradition, Christian tradition growing up, um, brought up in mainly Pentecostal church. So I was very much used to seeing signs and wonders, um, hearing people sing and speaking tongues was very normal to me. But when my family were going through a rough time, it was actually the Salvation Army that were the ones that supported us through that. And so they showed us what it meant to uh, be the hands and feet of Christ, to have that compassion. And so when I came back home from university, back to Nottingham, um, when I found Trent, it was like the coming together of those two aspects of church. And it really did feel like home. I just needed to convince John it was his home too. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the thing that kind of eventually made me settle here was was just the authenticity of the people as I began to actually get plugged in. I, I, um, I ended up moving in with a bunch of guys who are part of the church who turned out to be absolute legends and dear friends now. Um, we joined a small group and realised that these people, although they are behave in these weird charismatic ways, they're actually quite authentic and real about their lives. And there was something about that that was just deeply attractive. And, and, then, and, then getting, and then the ministries, getting involved in teams, getting involved in youth and compassion and discovering that this is a church where people actually try and do the stuff that it talks about in the book and live that out in an authentic way. And that, for me, was the stuff that eventually led me to, to, to realise this is, this is home. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you were working as a civil engineer at the time, weren't you? And yep. a little bit disillusioned. So I tentatively suggested that he try the discipleship year, something that's called the Zoe year now. And I remember the conversation that we had because John's reaction was, but Abby, I think that's for people who don't know what to do with their lives. So I was like, yep, that, that's you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's what you did, isn't it? Yeah, as, as always, Abby's right. So we did the... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I did the, the discipleship year, Zoe it's called now. And I always, my reflection now is that when I was a student, was, that was the time when I fell in love with Jesus. But that year was the year where I fell in love with church. I just 
got involved in everything. It was just this smorgasbord of church activity. And I just like was up for everything, wasn't I? It's amazing. And uh, it wasn't long after that that I found myself handing, handing in my notice at my engineering job. And I remember the day I did that, giving my boss the letter, and he just turned to me and said, we'll be sad to see you go, but uh, we, we saw this was coming because we've been watching and I can see where your heart is. Um, and this wasn't a believer, this was somebody who just you know, heard me talking about church. And it, that's really what's happened. This church has my heart. I love it. I love the vision. Um, we love John and Debbie. We love you guys. We love everything about it. And so we've loved the adventure. We've loved the time and all the opportunities that we've had to get involved in, in all these different things. Um, and every time, uh, you know, I love the fact this is a church where there'll be, you know, places and teams and ministries to exercise your gifts and invitations to do that. And we have really valued all those opportunities to discern. Is this an opportunity the Lord's asking us to say yes to every time, whether it's like doing the evening refreshments team or small group or whatever, um, and then discerning, yes, that's what it is. And this yes feels a little bit bigger, um, but, um, but we're up for it. We're up for it. It's taken a bit of time, though, because of that, to figure it out, hasn't it? And I think you've been a similar, haven't you, Suze? Yeah, not too dissimilar to that. I mean, it feels like you. It feels like a long time since I walked through the doors here as a student, because it is a long time. But um, I love this church. It's home. And over the years, it's been a continual stretching journey of just saying yes to the Lord as I've stepped up as a leader. And uh, this last season has really felt... Uh, not that different to that. And as I said earlier, like I really resonated with John taking on this role as senior pastor. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant, as is, as is Abby. Um, but we've worked closely together, John and I, now probably for the last, most of the last 15 years. And so I could see humanly that it makes sense for, for me to step up and, and all of these guys sense that that was the right thing too. So I really wanted to hear from the Lord um, because it felt for me like a new orders moment, like it's a moment of big transition. And so I wanted to know before the Lord that it was the right thing for me as well, especially doing this role, uh, you know, alongside leading DTI, which is the youth movement, if you don't know about that. So I asked the Lord to speak clearly anyway, and I started to pray and to seek counsel uh, from a few trusted friends and, and leaders in my family. And all of them were like, this just seems, seems like the right thing. Um, and probably as I look back, and you guys might say this as well, the, the, the biggest thing holding me back probably was fear. It was fear of this thing or that thing. And I remember saying to you guys once as I left your house, um, I feel like God is asking for my yes with this. But right now my answer is no. Um, so I had a little bit of a way to go. Um, but I started to get like a sense, a real sense of peace about it. But I was still asking the Lord to speak like really clearly. And then last May, um, a trusted leader from 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 another church, she was over and she came to pray for me. I didn't ask her to pray for me. And as she was praying for me, she said, Susie, I sense that you're asking the Lord to speak really clearly about something and you're frustrated because you feel like you'd like to hear a little more clearly. Um, but he's about to speak and when he does, you'll know it. So I thought, yes, this is absolutely brilliant. I went on holiday a couple of days later. So I'm away on holiday. And honestly, I was expecting to see writing on the wall whilst I was on that holiday. Um, and I did have a couple of what I would say would God, were God dreams while I was away, but they were about other people. And I remember texting my friend Steph, who leads Manchester Vineyard. And I said, why is God speaking to me about other people, but not about myself? And she texted back something along the lines of, because God's already spoken to you and you need to be obedient. And... Um, <laughs> friends, hey? And, um, but I had this like growing sense of peace. And so I was coming back from that holiday to say yes to these guys. And, um, 
and, I, and to the Lord, more importantly. And I, and I walked into the room, and as I started to give my sort of speech, uh, Debbie said to me, she stopped me, and she was like, Susie, you're never going to guess what, while she'd been away, I found this prophetic word. It's, it's a word, it's got your name, Susie Aldridge, on the top of it. Um, I don't remember receiving it. I think you found it on your desk or something. It's torn in your bag, at the bottom of your bag. It was from a couple of years ago from a trusted prophetic person. Um, it's got... It's ripped. It's got your shopping list on it. And um, it's simply just got my name, the date on it, and it has five words on it. And it just says, I ask you to stay. And it was honestly such a profound moment, so kind of the Lord in the midst of it. And to be honest, it was so profound that I was like, Debbie, have you made that up? Like, is that, is that you know, is it actually legit? But, you know, of course, of course, of course it is. So, um, yeah, just so kind that the Lord has spoken. I think we all feel like that, don't we? Just the kindness of the Lord. Um, so many other things as well, but there's also the David Moyes thing. Yeah, this is a good story. So um, as Susie and I were talking about this whole prospect, um, we had this sort of analogy that we used um, uh, to refer to it, which was um, referring back to a situation about 10 years ago where David Moyes, he's a football manager, if you don't know, and he was the successor to Alex Ferguson after Alex Ferguson was a tremendously successful manager of Manchester United Football Club for years. David Moyes, everybody thought he was the perfect successor and then he took over and basically it was a car crash. He was, it was rubbish. And so in that place of fear... That was really my, my sort of, my concern was like, I used to say, Susie, I just don't want to be like David Moyes in all of this. Um, and so, <laughs> um, so much faith. And anyway, we went away with our leadership team to this leadership event and we were staying overnight and um, I was sharing a room with, with one, one of the pastors, Ben. And before, before bed, we were just chatting, you know, about all sorts of things and we, we ended up chatting about football and Ben didn't know anything about the transition. He didn't know about Susie and mine uh, code language. Um, and we ended up talking about that whole thing with Man United 10 years ago. And Ben was like, don't you think it was... It was really strange, wasn't it, that David Moyes, everybody thought he was going to be so brilliant. And then he was just like, rubbish. Um, and then ben, ben was like, no, no, you know. And, and I was like, <laughs> there, just sort of, you know. Anyway, so the next morning, we went into the meeting and there was a speaker um, on the stage and he led a ministry time at the end of his session and he just got on the stage and said, you know, this might sound a bit strange, but I've got a sense that there's somebody here and you have been, you know, asked to step into something and lead something. You're feeling fearful and apprehensive. And it might sound weird, but as you've been talking to a friend, you have been saying, I just don't want to be like David Moyes. <laughs> and so I was just like completely blown away. Um, and it was a strange thing because... Um, all the people that we were with there, they didn't, none of them knew about the transition. So I didn't feel like I could go forward for prayer because I felt like they'd all see that and be like, what's he doing? Um, so I just stood there paralysed. And then um, another pastor that we know from another church who didn't know anything about it as well, he just came over to me and just prayed for me. And he said, I sense um, that the Lord, whatever it is, the Lord is saying he's got it. Um, but more than that, he's saying he's got you. He's got you in all of this. And I just came undone really and it was the mo for me that was the moment that, was, that the Lord just was so kind so specific and so clear
Yeah, it was amazing. And I actually missed that moment because I got, last minute I had to come out of that meeting. And a few days later, we were back here. And uh, John was just, he was like, Suze, you're never going to believe what happened at that learning community. And, um, and then he, he told me all about it. And then that night, I was driving home in my car. Um, no, I wasn't driving home. I went, I went later on in my car, a 10-minute car journey. And um, I started listening to the radio, which I never, I never ever do, but I was listening to the radio. Turn it up. And what are they talking about? David Moyes and Alex Ferguson. Could not believe it. <laughs> Brilliant. Wonderful how the Lord has spoken. There are many other words as well. But we can, re, we can be reassured that John is in great company with how he's feeling. There's no great leader that I can find in the whole of the, the Bible who didn't have some degree of fear in recognizing the role that God was calling them into. And like John, they also knew that they had to rely on God's strength, on his power, on his anointing, on his grace to enable them to do it. I love this, something John Stott said it is always best to respond to God's call neither with extreme self-confidence nor complete self-doubt, but with humble trust in the living God who equips those he calls. So you might ask, well, what does this mean for Debbie and myself? Well, we plan to stay here. This is our church, the church that we love, have a huge uh, affection for, and we are delighted that John wants us around. So we're not going anywhere. We'll continue to be here on a Sunday. It may be less than we are currently because with our national role, we'll probably be traveling to other churches around the country a bit more. Uh, so from the 1st of October, we'll have no responsibilities here, no role here beyond simply being supportive in any way that we can be, especially to John. Now, it's probably helpful to have a way of referring to like, who's that, those old guys? You know, who are they? Because we've got a senior pastor and so on. And so the title we've come up with is, will be known as Founding Pastors. So oh, they're, they're the founding pastors. They started the church. This is the senior pastor. So Abby, tell us a little bit about what it might look like for you. Yeah, so for those who don't know me, I currently work as a primary school teacher, and I love it. Um, so there's no plans for me to leave my job and become a senior pastor. The plan is to continue to teach. But whilst John is the one that's going to be commissioned to become senior pastor, not me, the reality is we know that change is going to be significant, not just for John, but for us as we're husband and wife, because we're not two separate people, but one in marriage. So this journey has not just been about whether discerning whether John is called, but whether we are. So whilst I plan to continue to teach, um, as I get involved here, I know that's going to involve a degree of change and a degree of stretching, like this here right now <laughs> is stretching. You guys are used to it. For me, I'm terrified. <laughs> Doing great. That's brilliant. You know, it's really important that we recognise this because our biblical understanding of marriage is that they do become one flesh. And, you know, uh, if John gets a letter of encouragement, uh, they'll be both, you know, encouraged. If John gets criticised, Abby will feel that criticism. Uh, she, We cannot underestimate pillow talk, we call it in the vineyard. Uh, Abby's wisdom will just come through in John's leadership she will influence the church whether we like it or not and of course we love it it was really important that Abby heard from the Lord that she felt that this was right and um, and you know we have friends who lead uh, majority black churches and uh, whether their wives are formally or not involved in the church they are referred to as first ladies and in one sense Abby will be our first lady and so you know she will have influence and we want 
want to treasure her. And I would ask you to treasure and cherish Abby uh, because her role is significant and needs to be valued and also respect the fact that she may not have the, you know, do the things that we've done as women. Susie and I, we're up there up front and all sorts. But, you know, you, you can just be yourself, Abby, and be confident in who you are. And Abby, we will have many more times in the hot tub together. Um, so yeah, with regards to me, um, I was hoping for the title of Pastor of Fun, but um, it got rejected. <laughs> so um, we've landed for Senior Associate Pastor, essentially doing everything I can, working alongside John as he leads the church and helping him with anything I can. And obviously being super relationally connected uh, with you, Abby. And, um, and also continuing to lead Dreaming the Impossible alongside the role. Confident um, that the team here, honestly, incredible, incredible team here. And the national team is amazing as well. Yeah, so yeah, they, they, the senior leadership team and the rest of the staff are in a great place. I mean, this is the kind of prophetic stuff, uh, some of the practical things. But of course, emotionally, uh, we're on a little bit of a roller coaster, aren't we? But how are you guys feeling? How are you feeling... Um, Susie? Susie, you do you want my to name then? Yeah. Um, I, I have a tendency to forget the names, even people very close to us. Um, yeah, well, um, <laughs> it's, um, it's, been a, it's been an emotional rollercoaster, that's for sure. And, um, but I'm really excited. I'm really excited about what God is going to do with us here um, as a church. But also there's a sadness because, because there's change. And also I love you guys, love working with you. And you've been incredible leaders to serve under. Uh, and so we wanted to acknowledge like this morning and you guys watching online as well, that there will be a whole range of emotions here in this room. And, and of course, all of us handle change in slightly different ways. And so however you're feeling... I think, that's, I think that's all right. And so if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, that's just so exciting. Like, that's not disloyal to John and Debbie. If you're listening to it and thinking, wow, this is a big change and, and you feel sad about it, like, that's not dis disloyal to us as well. So it's normal. It's really normal to feel all sorts of different emotions at once. What about you guys? Oh, what about us, John? How are we? Yeah, so, I mean, similarly, we are, on the one hand, so thrilled to be it feels like we're in the center of God's will. And every time the Lord has spoken about things and we've stepped into obedience, there is a kind of buzz. There's a kind of a sense of, oh, I feel like the Lord's smiling over us right now. So it's a delightful um, feeling. And then on the other hand, there are those moments of like, oh, it's, I don't know what this is going to look, what's it going to feel like? We'll be sitting there in the second or third row and uh, we'll be, you know, rooting for, the, for, for John and Susie and the others. And, uh, and what will that feel like? What will it really feel like? All that sort of thing. Um, and so, and, and then we have, we love this church. I mean, we, you know, it's been 26 years and, um, and so there is a sadness, but it is a bit like a wedding, you know. I mean, the both when our boys got married, we were absolutely delighted, but we also knew it would mean change. So we knew we were embracing something new, but those have been great experiences. So we have everything to, um, everything to believe that this is going to be a great experience. Yeah, are you going to say that? Oh, yeah, yeah. What, are you going to say something? Or are you... I've forgotten where I we said, are. <laughs> no, I, no, no, the truth is, I want to know how you are. Yes. You and Abby, how are you doing? Yeah, we, um, <laughs> so, you know, on the emoji on your, the emojis on your phone, I discovered the one that looks like somebody vomiting, because that's sort of like, Bruh. when people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, Bruh. I feel like that. <laughs> it feels that, and um, the, the roller coaster analogy that people have talked about, um, this bit feels like the bit where it's going like, click, 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 and it's 
going up just before the dip and it's too late to get off. feels like a little bit like that. It's scary. Um, but you were saying the other day, Abby, like, it feels scary, but it also feels natural, um, especially when we look back at, you know, what God's done through the years. Um, we feel daunted by just the scale of everything and the challenge, but we also feel very much assured by God's voice. He's been so kind with these prophetic words. <laughs> And um, even the sort of like the discernment process that John mentioned, we've, the, the process with the movement, the process here at Trent with the trustees, it's been quite a full on thing. Um, we're still recovering from the eight person job interview that we did with the trustees here, uh, which was full on. Um, but all those things have actually been amazing. The tr- getting to know the trustees here a little bit more, they're so brilliant and they've been so encouraging, haven't they, and kind. Um, and also through those discernment processes, it's highlighted, you know, things that where we're going to need additional support, um, as well as kind of affirmed us about things that we have got good competence and experience. So um, it's been helpful. Um, and through all this, the other thing that I think we'd all say is that um, there's, there's no words really that can fully express how incredible um, and how encouraging and how impressive John and Debbie are. Um, they're just unbelievable. I mean, we all... You know, everybody who's part of this church, we love them. We, we know that they're brilliant. We know that they're respected um, by leaders all over the place. Um, but especially, I think, for us, the last couple of years, as, they've been really, as we've been on this journey in quite an intense way, and they've been intentionally spending time with us, mentoring us, investing in us, um, our reflection has been that the, like, the more close up we've got to see them, um, the more impressed we are by their depth of character, their love for Jesus, and their commitment to this church family, like their ability to just ask that, this, that question, what's best for the church, regardless of personal costs, regardless of what challenges they're facing, it's selfless, it's deeply inspiring, and if any of it could rub off this way, I think that would be a good thing. Um, so they're just amazing. In fact, one of the things that they were doing was um, they've, they've been linking us with pastors and you know, leaders outside of Trent and outside of the movement, people who might be able to give us you know, additional insights, and Debbie was sort of saying this would be necessary to me. She's saying, like, you know, you, there'll be people who'll be able to give us advice, give you advice that we can't give you, people who have wisdom and insights that we don't have. And I was like, John, Debbie, to whom shall I go? Because they're just the best. So we love you. We really do. <laughs> but that... But even they are another reason why this is really daunting because they're so amazing. But even that, the fact that we respect them and their opinions so much and the fact that they think this is a good idea, that this is the Lord, that in itself is encouraging. So as daunting as all the challenges are, we feel that this is a matter of obedience and we're all saying yes. Yeah, and it may sound strange, but really this yes now is exactly the same yes as before and as we've journeyed forward. The implications may seem bigger, but our heart posture is the same. Uh, A year ago now, I copied a prayer of John Wesley's uh, into my journal, and it really has come to mean a lot to me, and I'd love to share it with you. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
You are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. That is such a profound prayer and one which I resonate with uh, for Debbie and me as we lay down uh, our roles here, as we take up what God has for us next. It's now actually in my journal. The first time I heard it was on Monday at the leaders' meeting when she read it. Um, and I've been journaling about it. So the handover will be on the 1st of October this year. It's a little under eight months' time. And we've done a lot of reading, and over the last six years, we've been talking to people who have been through transitions, people who passed on the baton, other people who came into that role. And I do find the analogy of passing a baton in a relay race just quite helpful. Um, Handovers of leadership of a church can sometimes happen too soon. If the outgoing leader is in a rush for some reason and the succession happens before the incoming person is really properly trained and equipped and sufficiently experienced to be able to take that on, and because the incoming leader isn't up to speed, that can actually slow things down. The transition hits momentum. Many times the succession in churches actually happens later than is ideal, with the outgoing leader holding on for too long. For whatever reason, maybe they're retiring, their pension isn't yet fully sorted, maybe they're not willing to let go of some things that they really treasure. You know, there's, there's all sorts of benefits, you know, people's respect and status and all sorts of things. There's all sorts of things let go. And people hold on sometimes too long. And if the fresh runner is ready, delaying the timing of the handover can frustrate them. So an optimal baton pass in a relay race happens when the runner who is passing the baton is still running fast, still has energy, there's speed, there's momentum. And at the same time, the next runner is up to speed. And we feel that John really is now up to speed. He's an extremely experienced and gifted leader. Over the course of his time on staff, he's led or overseen every area of ministry, with the exception just, I think, of two kids and students. And we've been preparing together for this transition for the last few years. We've been discussing making all the major decisions together and investing in his training in a variety of areas. And as Susie said, they've worked very closely together. Their different gift mixes are so complementary. We're very confident uh, going forwards. Hebrews 12 exhorts all of us to run the race marked out for us with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we believe that we've run our leg of the race leading Trent and are ready for the next stage, focusing on the wider movement. And John is ready for the next leg of his race, which the Lord has made really clear is to lead Trent Vineyard for the next leg of its race. John is 20 years younger than me and so will very likely lead the church for as long as we have. So this really is an adventure. It's the next leg of the race, uh, the next chapter of this adventure. And we are thrilled that we'll be going on it with you. Brilliant. And I'm sure, you know, for many, many of you um, watching or here, you know, as we're going through this transition, you begin to think, well, what is the next leg of the race look like for me? Um, and one of the things that I think we want to be really clear about is that we have loved being part of this church and serving the vision of this church. And so in terms of the vision looking forwards, we love the vision and we don't, it's not like this is going to signify a moment where it's suddenly going to change dramatically. We remain called to it and all the stuff that we've loved for years, compassion and pushing into the presence of the Holy Spirit, demonstrating the kingdom, 
all of that stuff and, 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 and the kind of things that we've been talking about in recent years that, have, that have really, we feel are really important to us, like the, the journey that we feel called to, to embark on in terms of racial and ethnic diversity as a church family and intergenerational connection, investing in all of that. All of that stuff is, 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 is very much still on the map and on the agenda because the vision is not going to change. Although we do have um, a few little ideas of a few tweaks, even that, you know, because change is here to stay in the vineyard. So Yeah, that's right. And we were thinking John loves the curve, so we were thinking maybe we'll get some straight rows from now on. Definitely. And we're going to start introducing um, special car parking spaces for senior pastors, I think, definitely. And then, and then this morning as I was driving here, I, I just had an image of this building looking, I don't know, yellow or something. Yeah, definitely, yeah. What do you think? Well, it's the, got it. The great, thing is, the great thing is it won't be my responsibility, our responsibility anymore. And so you're perfectly free to do all those things. And uh, there'll be some among the uh, church still who'll get to look back on the good old days when things were done well, <laughs> things were beautiful, things were well organised. The reality is, though, uh, though the values and the general vision will re remain pretty similar to what it is now, things will change, and they should. I'm a great believer in the saying, the best ideas are yet to be thought of. There are significant things which will happen under John's leadership, which didn't happen after, uh, under ours, which simply would not happen under ours. And we look forward to everything the Lord has in store for Trent in the coming years. So a couple of dates you might like to put into your diary. Uh, on the 17th of September, at all three services, it'll be a sort of celebration of our 27 years of leading Trent. That's the 17th of September. The following Sunday is a marathon, so we're not meeting um, whatever that morning, I think. So the week after that is the 1st of October. That is the commissioning of John as senior pastor. Some of you, uh, this news is like a bit of a shock. For others of you, you've seen this coming, you've observed John's visibility and <laughs> our decrease and so on. But you may have questions even as you go home today, like, oh, I wonder about that. And feel free to ask your small group leader, feel free to ask any member of the pastoral staff, you know, the senior leadership team and others. And if you would prefer, you can always email at this particular little link, trentv.org forward slash change. You know, it struck me as John was sharing about the key, um, the keys in two different prophetic words that open two large doors to a building, um, that this isn't just a physical, a word about a physical building. This is uh, something that the Lord wants to do and that the, the opening of the door is ushering in the presence, the, the wind of the Spirit. And um, uh, that is what we all long for, isn't it? To encounter the Lord in fresh ways, to allow his Holy Spirit to, to blow freshly across the whole of the church, across all the congregations, across the kids, every one of us, that, that he would have his way with us. And I really believe that those words are speaking more, um, you know, not just um, physically about John taking on the leadership, but about something God wants to do uh, with you in this season ahead.